thank you, worship team, for blessing us this morning. Well, as I had said, we are going to be uh, looking at the Word of God as we do every day and every Sunday. We're going to be uh, shifting into our, our, beginning into our holiday season messages, where today we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving, and next week we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving. And then we are going to start our series of Advent, where we're going to be looking at the songs of the Savior, where we're going to be taking a look at the book of Luke and all of the songs. There are four songs that have been sung about the Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Scriptures. We see Mary's song, Zechariah's song, we see the angel's song, and we see uh, all of these different songs that, that just come forward to describe who Jesus is, what he means to our world. So if you would turn to prayer with me one more time before we jump into the Word of God together, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that we have the opportunity to be here. I pray that this morning as we look at the heart of gratitude, that we will be a people who find ourselves more thankful more uh, in this space of gratitude, and then our hearts will be transformed, that we'll see what you have for us this morning. I pray, Father, that you will bless us and strengthen us in your holy and precious name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but as I reflect on my life, I realize that I tend to take a lot of things for granted right? We tend to take a lot of things for granted. We're not, walking in life without wearing a mask is something to take for granted that I have. My family, my wonderful wife, my, my fantastic children, my wonderful job, the fact that I have a place to live, the fact that I don't have to worry about food, the, the fact that I don't have to worry about the, my car and getting where I need to go, and, and all these different things that we look at in life, even the fact that I put my foot on the ground this morning for another day of life. I can tend to take all of those things for granted. We can have this sense that, you know what, I deserve those things. I work hard for that, for that house. I work hard for that car. I work hard for all of these things that I have in my life, but, but we can tend to take them for granted and forget, and forget the reality that we have been given those things. Many today wrestle, as I do, with entitlement. The sense of, well, I earned it, so I deserve it. The sense that, that it's all about me, and I've worked hard, and so of course I have these wonderful gifts. You know, I'm super handsome, so of course I have a wonderful wife. Okay, that was a joke, <laughs> right? But we, we look at this, this world, and we have this sense of entitlement. The, the problem is, is that we live in such an entitled world. We live in such entitlement all around us. We're enticed to live in entitlement. And we've caught the bug. Many of us have caught the bug. I would say all of us, myself included, have caught the bug of entitlement. But let me share with you, the reality is this, that entitlement generates ungrateful hearts. Entitlement generates ungrateful hearts. When we feel entitled, there's no one to thank but ourselves. When we feel entitled, there's no one to give the accolades to but ourselves, and that's just patting ourselves on the back. That You can't look at yourself in the mirror, and many, maybe you could, Narcissus did. 
You, you don't normally look at yourself in the mirror and say, thank you for being awesome. Thank you, Marvin, for giving me all the gifts that you've given me. Thank you for being so handsome that you have a wonderful wife. Right? All these things, that, that's not something that we regularly do, but it's how we act. <laughs> because entitlement generates ungrateful hearts. And this can even stem into spiritual arrogance, where we feel like the blessings that God has given us are because I'm such a great Christian. And so, of course, God is going to give me these things. I don't need to thank Him because I've earned them. Marion Swords, probably my favorite commentator on the book of 1 Corinthians, says this, Spiritual arrogance and boasting are in contradiction to the true character of God's dealings with humanity. It's antithetical to how we are to live as believers. Walking in this space of saying, wow, you know, I deserve the blessings that God has given me. And we end up taking those things for granted. But we're to live with a heart of gratitude in this world. We are to live with a sense that that I am grateful for all the things that God has given me. And so as we reflect on this season, some of the things I'm going to say today, you probably remember me saying a couple years ago. Because I think it bears repeating many times as we come to the scripture, there are some scriptures that we just, we just need to consistently come back to. Words of God that he has spoken into us. And you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of cheesy to talk about Thanksgiving during Thanksgiving, but it is a good time to remind us. It is a good time before we gather together, even if we're in smaller huddles this year, that we still have things to be grateful for. So the question that we're going to be answering this morning is how do we have a heart of gratitude in an entitled culture? How can you and I walk in this space of gratitude where our heart is transformed rather than walking entitled? And I believe 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 and Psalm 9, 1 through 6 bear the truth of how we can live with a heart of gratitude. If you have your scriptures, you can open your Bible with me. You can look on the screen. Those of you who are online, you can open up yours or watch on the screen as well because it will show up for you. The word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 says, For for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. Now Psalm 9, 1 through 6. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. So as we look at these passages, we need to have the background a little bit of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was what many would call today a Pentecostal church. 
They were very charismatic. They were living in and walking in the spiritual gifts that God had given them. They, they, they tapped into that. They understood the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul needed to correct them as any church. In, in Ephesus, they were what we would call the Reformed type of church, very solid in their theology, paying attention to the Word of God and proclaiming the Word. But then Paul even had to correct them and say, hold on, you've got to come back and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Corinthian church, they were walking in these spiritual gifts, looking at all the churches around them saying, we're doing a whole lot better. It's hard to whistle with a mask. <laughs> there we go. Looking around and saying, wow, we've got this. We understand what the other churches don't get. We are awesome. We're fantastic. And all the blessings that God is giving us is because how awesome we are as a church. Paul had to knock them down a couple notches. And the whole book of 1 Corinthians is challenging them saying, okay, yes, you get it but here's how you do it properly. Yes, you understand, but you know what? It's not all about you. And so he knocks them down a couple of pegs. So the first thing that you and I can see from these passages in order to live with a heart of gratitude in an entitled world is this. To understand a shift in our perspective makes gratitude possible. A shift in our perspective makes gratitude possible. Like I said, This book was Paul trying to shift their perspective. He was trying to shift the perspective of the Corinthian church. They were living in so much arrogance that they would walk around saying, you know what, I learned from Paul. You just learned from Apollos. (laughs) I'm a Pauline believer. (laughs) You know, I'm so much more special than you because Apollos, he's awesome. (laughs) He's way better than, than, than Paul in his preaching. He's way better at, at describing who Jesus is. And so I'm, I'm an Apollos follower. I'm, I'm the best Christian in the house. Right? And then they got into their spiritual gifts. Well, I have the spiritual gift of prophecy. You're a bum because all you do is hospitality. <laughs> you invite people into your home. Hey, for you, but I'm better. I have the gift of tongues. When I pray, God hears me. <laughs> he might not hear you. This is how they lived their whole lives. But Paul was trying to shift their perspective. He was trying to shift them to see that it's not about them. They seemed to have a sense that they had earned their position, their status, and the things that they had. But their perspective was off. Their perspective was wrong. And so Paul sought to change their perspective. Because the Corinthians were saved not by anything they did, but what Christ has done for them. Marion Swords, like I had said, my favorite commentator on the book of 1 Corinthians, said, on the one hand, the Corinthians are arrogant, acting as if they are above one another. On the other hand, they are unappreciative, acting as if they were not indebted to God for what they had received. This then is a huge key to the heart of gratitude, viewing everything good in life as a gift rather than something that is owed to us. Look at that beginning passage in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 4. In the middle of it, he asks a very powerful question. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Look around you. Look at all the great things you have. Let me shift your perspective from thinking that you earned it, that it's all about your awesome specialness, Remember what Christ had done. He had died once for all. 
Yes, we are all, as a body of believers, special to our Father. We are children of our Father, but you're not more special than another. We are all in the same plane. What do you have that you did not receive? This helps us in this understanding that we need to be seeing everything good as a gift. Because seeing everything good as a gift changes our view on life. Seeing everything good as a gift changes our view on life. This is the shift of perspective where we can look at what we have in our lives, those good gifts that God has given us, that wonderful wife, those fantastic children, even though they drive you crazy a little bit, that wonderful car that might be a little bit of a clunker, but it gets you from A to B, that job that pays the bills, That house that God has provided, the good gifts that you have in your life, looking at those good gifts as gifts changes our view on life. Because we remember it has nothing to do with us. God loves us and so he lavishes good gifts upon us. And this is a very important shift of perspective. Because what do you have that you did not receive? And when you recognize that you have received it, that it has been a gift, you praise God for it even more. You don't take for granted that wonderful wife or that wonderful husband that you recognize you don't deserve. Yeah, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe your marriage has some issues. But God still gave you that believing husband or spouse. As believers, when we have a believing spouse, man, that is a huge blessing where we can pray together, where we can encourage one another. That is a gift And those kids, even though they may frustrate you and car rides are painful, (laughs) or as they get older, they reject some things or they talk back to you a little bit more, they're still a blessing. There are many people who don't have children, but you have them. Remember the blessing that you have been given. We toil under this belief and we get beaten down with disappointment or puffed up with pride because the system tells us to be entitled. It's really easy to focus on the bad things that happen in life. It's really easy to get discouraged about everything that's going on even around us now in the pandemic. It's really easy to focus on, I'm so frustrated that these things are happening. I'm so angry that I have to go out and and wear a mask or that I have to be protective or that I have to stay home because I'm fearful of the virus. I'm so frustrated. We can pay attention to the bad things, but we need to focus on the good. And when we focus on the good things, remember that they are all a gift from the Lord. Because when all things, when, we, when all we have is a gift, God's grace becomes more tangible. When all we have is a gift, God's grace becomes more tangible. If we allow the Holy Spirit of God to shift our view, to shift our perspective, to look at the good things that we have as gifts, His grace becomes more tangible. Why do I say that? Well, when you reflect back on your life and you reflect back on how you lived pre-Jesus, on how you walk in sometimes disobedience even as a believer, when you recognize that you still walk away and sin and mess up, but that God is still there to forgive, to wash away those sins, that he brought you out of darkness into light, 
Man, that is God's grace. This is what the Corinthian church was missing. They were missing a proper understanding, not just a theological understanding, but they were missing a proper heart understanding of God's good grace. When we take things for granted in our lives, those good things that God gives us, we're forgetting the grace of God. We're forgetting that He is a gracious and good and loving and giving Father. It is all because of God's grace. And when we can shift our perspective, it really does change how we live. Because you'll wake up in the morning, and even if the kids are jumping on you at 5.30 in the morning, you could say, they're alive today. <laughs> Thank you, God. And it'll change, because you could be really grumpy. Trust me, I hate waking up in the morning. I hate it when my kids wake me up earlier than when my alarm was supposed to. I, I, I get so frustrated. But if I look at them and say, you know what, they're a gift, they're alive today. They woke up. That's a gift. I'll hug my kid, and I'll kiss my kid, and I'll wrap them in my arms and say, okay, you woke me up, now it's time to cuddle, because you're a gift. And I'm like, stop it, Dad, leave me alone. But I don't care. That's God's grace. We need to remember those things. We need to allow the Spirit to remind us of God's grace. Point number five, gratitude greatly increases as we reflect on everything we already have received. Gratitude greatly increases as we reflect on everything we have already received. In verse eight, Paul challenges them. He says, already you have all that you want. He tells the Corinthian church. He's like, look back. Look at the things you already have. You already have everything that you want. And in the American and Western church, I think we could say that for the predominant number of people that come into these doors and that watch online. We already have what we want. We can easily focus on the things that we don't have, right? Like I really wanted that promotion or I really hoped that I would get a, an increase in my pay. I really hoped what and this and that. But we already have everything that we need. We need to walk in gratitude. And that gratitude greatly increases as we reflect on everything that we already have. So I want you to take one minute right now, one minute to reflect on the things that you already have and I want you to thank God for them. Take that moment. Take that minute right now. Allow the Spirit to remind you of those things. You and I have a lot of good things, don't we? We have a lot of grace from a father 
We have a lot of lavish things that we don't deserve. You see, the Corinthian church, much like the Western society and the Western church today, I, I would say if you look at the Corinthian church, you will see a mirror of the Western church. Take a look at it. Read with that perspective as you read 1 Corinthians and say, whoa, it's a lot like where we're at. The Corinthian church was always pushing for more, always asking for more. They weren't satisfied with what God had given them. Now, I fall into that trap all the time. There are things in life that I really like. There's very few things that I'm always wanting more of, but there are those things that I want more of. I want the new technology that has come out. I want the new thing that I can, that I can play with and, 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 and just have fun with. We're always pushing for more. I see that in my kids sometimes as well, where there's just this lack of satisfaction. But we need to be satisfied in the things that God has given us and recognize that they were all a grace-given gift. Because recognizing the good things as gifts is only half of the awakening. <laughs> what do I mean by that? We have to take that time to recognize the grace of God we need to take that time to recognize the good things that we have, but we also need to realize that it's only half of the equation. A pastor once said this, Thanksgiving sets us on a course to know God and discover the reasons for which he made us. Point number six, gratitude grows the more we know the giver. Gratitude grows the more we know the giver. Now, looking at all things as a gift draws us into a recognition of the grace of God. And when we recognize the full weight of God's grace, we will want to be with Him more. I guarantee it. Because when you realize that grace, you'll, you'll hunger and thirst for more of God. You'll say, wow, you are a good father. You give good gifts. I want to be with you. I want to know more of you. That thanksgiving leads us to a path of deeper desire for the Lord. Now, many times in our Christian life, we go to God and we seek his hands. What can he give us? What more can I get? But we're challenged to seek God for his face, for who he is. Look at the story of Moses. <laughs> Moses, he had great gifts. God had given him so many things. And that led him to what? Ask for the presence of God. He would go into the tent of meeting and ask to be in the presence of God. And then that didn't become enough. He was like, no, 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 I, I feel your presence. I see your presence in, in the fire and in the cloud, but I want to see your real face. Show it to me. And God says to him, dude, if you do that, then you're going to die. But I'll show you my cloak. I'll show you my jacket. And even that was going to change you and transform you. And God did that for Moses. God did that. When we look at the grace that God has given us, we will hunger and thirst for more of him. And when we pursue him for who he is and not what he gives, we'll be in awe of how much we really have. Because when we know him through who he is, we will then again worship him for all that he has done. 
we will again be reminded of the power of the cross. We'll again be reminded of our undeserving nature of what he has done. Even while we were still sinners, enemies of God, he died for us. And this should set us up for this idea of thanksgiving. As we look at the situation that we're in right now, I know many of you have canceled the plans of thanksgiving that you had. I did. I had to. I was going to go to Ohio, and now I can't. Because I don't want to get a test within 72 hours, and I don't want to quarantine for two weeks. Because I want to obey what is, is, is laid down as a mandate. And that can be sad. And you can say, man, you know, that was a good gift I lost. But you're going to wake up and still have some tryptophan or ham if white meat makes you disgusted. But you're going to have time with your, maybe your immediate family. An extra space where you can look at your kids and not be distracted by their crazy aunt. <laughs> But look at your kids and say, God gave me you. Look at the people that you find. Find people in the area. Say, let's gather together and let's have Thanksgiving together. Let's make the best of a bad situation. We all have good gifts. He gives us good gifts. And when we know him for who he is and his grace, we'll recognize he gives not because we've earned it, but simply because he loves us. He doesn't give us good gifts because we've earned it. He gives us good gifts simply because he loves us. God's love is overwhelming. And when we spend time at his feet, looking up at his face, not asking for his hands, but asking for him himself, we will feel the overwhelming, powerful love of God. When I, when I have those moments <laughs> with God, I, I, don't care to, I don't mind admitting that I cry sometimes. I weep in the presence of the Lord. And I'm not a crier. I was never a crier when I was younger. I went through a whole lot of crazy crap in my life. Sorry for the word that, but I went through a whole lot of stuff in my life that, that just, just brought so much pain. And I had to build this big wall of, of non-emotional living. But when the Holy Spirit hit me for the first time and, and filled me, I began to weep and cry because I felt the love and the presence of God. And that happens to me now, even when I'm watching a show where there's something that's happening emotional. I think about how God loves me that way, and I begin to cry. And it's really silly. Like, we're, looking, we're watching a show that's supposed to be funny, and I'm there, oh, oh, God, thank you. And it's crazy, but that's the presence of God. When we understand His love, we will be overwhelmed. And we can't control how we feel or how, how his, his love changes and transforms us. He loves you. The good gifts you have are because of his love. So may we walk in gratitude. The next thing that we'll see is that giving thanks produces gratitude. It's an active response. Look at in the Psalms. What it says, the Psalms are filled with songs of gratitude, of thanksgiving. And in the Psalm that we highlighted, Psalm 9, verses 1 through 6, there's this tangible action 
that happens. When we spend time looking at what God has given us and we spend time in thanksgiving, thanking him for it, it, we begin to have an attitude of gratitude. I know that's another cheesy statement that people use all the time during Thanksgiving. But it's true. We begin to have this attitude where we see those things and we thank the Lord, but then it becomes a tangible change in our lives. Where I have seen in my own life I have seen in the lives of many people that this idea of gratitude leads to generosity. Gratitude leads to generosity. Because when we remember what God has given us, we will want to give to others. When we have this sense of gratitude with what God has done and our heart is changed and we worship God with everything we have, we worship with generosity. We worship by giving, whether it's finances or whether it's time. We have this sense of wanting to give more to the Lord because that gratitude that we have creates generosity, saying, you know what? I actually have more than I need, so I'm going to give out of my abundance, the abundance of God's grace. And again, it's not always a financial generosity. It could be a time where you know that there's that person that kid, that, that adult that needs more of your time. And you'll give lavishly. I once shared a story with you guys of a, of a woman who was caught up in prostitution in her life. A great woman. And she got caught up in that early on in her life, but then the Lord transformed her. The Lord brought her out of that. The Lord shared with her His saving grace. And she couldn't stop worshiping the Lord with gratitude. This woman would dance before the presence of the Lord. She didn't care of anyone around her. She was worshiping the Lord with generosity, saying, it's all about you. It's about you and what you've done. And I'm just going to go crazy for the Lord, not because I care what people are looking at around me, but because I am so grateful that I'm going to be generous with my worship. I'm going to be generous with my time with the Lord. (laughs) Because of all that you have done, gratitude always leads to generosity. This is the point that Jesus was attempting to make in his parable of the ungrateful servant. A heart of gratitude is a giving heart. This ungrateful servant received this lavish grace from the king. And that that was supposed to be transforming in his life. He was supposed to then turn around and offer forgiveness to the person who owed him. But he didn't. And the king said, you wicked servant. How could you not? How could you not walk in grace? How could you not walk in generosity? It's because he really wasn't grateful for what the king had done. He didn't allow the full weight of the king's grace to hit his life, to hit his heart. Because if he had, he would have been generous as the king was with him. We are to be generous. That gratitude creates generosity. It can also be a sort of of litmus test for our our gratitude. Are we living in generosity? Or are we living like curmudgeons, holding everything to ourselves? We should be living in generosity. Giving of our time and giving out of the abundance of all that Christ has given us. And the Bible even says that as we give generously whether it's time or money or our talents 
that we will be blessed. Now, many have taken that sense and say, well, you'll always be blessed financially. Well, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not what the promise of Scripture says. It says when we give, we will be blessed. When we go, we will be blessed by the Lord. (laughs) And that could have many different things. That blessing could look many different ways. But when we give out of an abundance of God's grace, when we give generously, we will see the blessing of the Lord in our lives. He will bless us. And despite this pandemic, we are blessed. If you look around the world and you look at all the restrictions outside of America that are happening in Canada, in France, in all these different areas, yeah, we have some restrictions that are heavy and burdensome, but we don't have it as bad as Ohio where they have a curfew of 9 o'clock or Paris where they have a curfew of 7 There are things that we can look at and say, you know, we are blessed. Thank you, God, for the things you've given us. Thank you, God, that I've not caught the the coronavirus. Thank you, God, that we are are being protected by your presence. (laughs) Thank you, God, that even if I did get the coronavirus, I'm now away from it. We have, Hillary and I have friends who, their whole family caught the virus and then were were (laughs) taken out of it two weeks later. They were sick as dogs, but they lived through it. We are still blessed even in the midst of a pandemic. I don't deserve to be blessed with God's generosity. Many of you know how awesome my wife is and how deeply I love my wife. I do not deserve her. You know, my dad always said, boy, you married up. It's absolutely true. (laughs) I did. And I need to remind myself of that truth. None of us are owed anything from God. And once we humbly admit this, we can see our hearts change towards generosity and we will desire to give. But point number 10, humility gives us eyes to see his generosity. We can stymie our understanding of God's generosity and God's gracious love, lavish love, when we feel like it's all about us. When we walk in arrogance, remember, entitlement hinders our ability to be grateful. But when we rest in humility, that's where we can see his generosity. I love what uh, one commentator, long dead, his name's Chaffin, says as he ties this verse, this, the Psalms and 1 Corinthians together. He said, what do you have that you did not receive? <laughs> is a question that will create genuine humility in each of us. For everything that is lasting and worthwhile, we have received at the hands of God. Paul knew that pride could be so divisive in the life of the church and that humility had a way of drawing people together. When you and I walk in humility, we will be drawn together as well. Because the people in this room and online, those of who are in your room and those who are in this room and you're connected to our church one way or the other, the person next to you is a blessing. Might be a blessing in disguise. (laughs) But nonetheless, they are a blessing. Your brother or sister is a blessing to you. And when we walk in humility and realize, you know what, I don't deserve Bob Leopold in my life. 
I don't deserve the McCrackens or the Gillenwaters or any of you. I could say all of your names. I don't deserve that person in my life. I need to walk in humility. And that changes our perspective. It changes how we see one another. Because even when I'm frustrated with my brother or sister, if I can look at them as a blessing in my life, I can be grateful for who they are, humbly admit that I might need them, (laughs) it'll change how I love. It'll change how I see them. With this new perspective, maybe the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the gracious things that He has given you. As we took time to look at that, I pray that you took that time seriously and that you will reflect on and remember the grace of your loving King. And that you will live in generosity. I pray that the Holy Spirit allows that grace and that that beauty of His gifts to you. I pray that that will bring about generosity in your life. Again, it's not about one way. It's about our time, our talent, and our treasure. The three T's of life. May we live in generosity in those things. May we see all good things as a gift and walk with a heart of gratitude in an ungrateful world. Even in the midst of this pandemic, if your times and your situation has changed this Thanksgiving, still give thanks from a grateful heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. (laughs) I just can't stop beginning my prayers with that one phrase. I thank you for this time that we are able to open up your word and I thank you that you challenge us. I pray that you'll bless us. May we see your generosity. May we see all things as gifts and may it transform how we see this time, this moment in time. And may we walk giving grace and giving good gifts to one another. In your holy and precious name, amen.